Well, good morning, everybody. So glad you guys are here today. Uh, I wanted to start by just saying that uh, the last couple weeks have been challenging, I think, for us, but for some of you as well. You know, the last uh, couple weeks, we've seen Josh's aunt pass away from uh, COVID, and uh, you already know what he expressed, some of the things he's been uh, challenged by uh, with recently. And uh, I did a funeral for a lady who had COVID, uh, a 50-year-old lady, on Friday. And uh, so there are people who are dealing with illnesses. I, I myself, two weeks ago, uh, was sick, and I'm finding that I still have a lingering cough. So if I just start coughing, just ignore it. I'll come back together. Don't worry. It'll all be okay. Uh, also, Lisa has a blood clot in her uh, leg. Uh, we had to go to the ER this week, and so she's hobbling around as she's trying to get that taken care of, and, and, uh, and so she's on a medication for that. So there's a lot of things going on uh, within our church family. I know uh, Lon, his father, passed away unexpectedly this week, and so I, I just thought that, first of all, I'd start with praying, but also I'll let you know, just a reminder, you know, there's a lot of people that try to pit people against each other, you know, if you do this or don't do that, or you should be on this side or that side. And I just love our church family, and I like to remind you all that I think the word that should really reign the day is the word compassion. Because when people are going through the kinds of things that, whether it be COVID or illness or death, we just need to demonstrate compassion for one another. I just think that would be uh, just the thing that God would be most honored by. So in light of that, I want to start us with praying today. God, we thank you so much for just how you care for us, how you love us, how you watch over us. And even in the midst of uh, challenging times, whether that be illness or, or uh, whether that be uh, blood clots or whether that be uh, death even, that God, you have still... You are there to comfort, guide, to lead, to direct, and to love us. And God, I pray that we as your people would be marked by the kind of values that you have, the value of love and faithfulness and generosity and also compassion. God, help us to be that kind of people. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I thought I would do something today that uh, we try to do about every uh, maybe year to year and a half. And we usually hit a series uh, every year or year and a half that's about who we are as a church, okay? And I know that sometimes series like this uh, are a little bit more church business than what some of you would probably like, but it's really good for us as a church family to rethink about and to reframe who we are as a church so that you're reminded what you're a part of and what God has called us to, Okay. And so I'm going to do more of what I would consider a teaching today as I teach about kind of where we started and where we're going and uh, some of the things, uh, kind of give you another framework to think about some of these things today, okay? Uh, and for those of you who don't like that stuff, remember today's message is going to be short, so don't worry, all right? Don't worry. Uh, what I want to talk about today is really who we are as a church and what makes us unique and what God has led us to from the very beginning of Axis Church. It was a few years before Axis Church started that I began to feel within my spirit that what we were experiencing in the American church culture was not what was experienced in the book of Acts. In other words, what we were doing in the local church was different than what they were doing in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, they were they were motivated by the mission. They were making disciples. They were living their life on purpose in the middle of persecution and other things. 
But in the American cultural church experience, what we have kind of led toward is more of an attendance mentality. In other words, if you just attend or if you just come to church, then that is all that you need to do, and God's happy with that. And, and, and so I started to feel this in my spirit years ago before even access was ever an idea. And, and in the church experience that I was a part of at that time, we emphasized the place and the program and the worship experience above all else. We really did. In fact, I used to tell our staff, every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. You better get ready for it. Speaking of Super Bowl Sunday, who day, all right? <clears throat> I was there yesterday. Jason and I went. We bought tickets as we were down there on SeatGeek. We're walking. I couldn't find any scalp tickets. So we're like, boom, SeatGeek. We walk in, and we're in there. And uh, he, was, he was ecstatic. He had no idea what the last 30 years has actually been like for the rest of us, all right? But uh, he was so excited. But anyway... Years ago, I was in a church experience where we so emphasized the place that I would say every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. We all have to be ready. It was all about the experience. And I started to feel like maybe that what we were trying to be about was not what actually God wanted us to be about. And in fact, we went through a whole period of transitioning our church from everything being centralized to trying to figure out a way to de decentralize. And I read a book by a guy named Larry Stockstill. And in that book, he said, if, if there is hostility or harvest that come to your church, are you going to be ready for it? In other words, if there was such a great harvest of souls, could you facilitate them in your space? Or would you just have to keep building, building, building bigger buildings? Secondly, he said, are you ready for hostility? In other words, he said, I see in the upcoming generation in the American church, hostility against the church. And what if we couldn't even meet together? Would we be able to still have church? And this was way before a global uh, illness called COVID. We had no idea what was going to happen in 2020 when literally we weren't able to meet. And the question he asked was, could you actually be still the church? And I had to answer that question years ago. No, we couldn't. And so we went through this really massive transition from what I would consider a fort mentality to more beachhead mentality. How do we get our people outside the walls? Okay, that was the beginning of kind of the germ of the idea of Axis Church. And later then we said, when we started Axis, we're going to be church different. We're going to be a church that rather than just is about people showing up on Sunday and just simply sitting in a seat and we're marking that by attendance numbers and things like that, we're instead going to say, how do we mobilize the people on mission? And because we did that, we actually de-emphasized some things. We de-emphasized the place. We found a Craigslist ad for our very first building that we met in. $250, it was in a daycare center, and it said, you could have church here. And so we did. We had church in a daycare center. I don't recommend it, but that's what we did. And uh, the bathrooms were literally right where that exit sign is. Somebody get up, they go to the bathroom. We all knew, hey, welcome back from the bathroom. You know, and the children's ministry was right behind the stage. So <clears throat> they would go from one room to the next in the middle of my preaching, all right? Then we moved from that location and we went to the theater by uh, King's Island and that was also an interesting uh, kind of church experience. One day I got up to preach and the previews of the movie came on behind me. Those of you who remember that, they're, they're, there's, they don't teach you that in Bible college. Like, how do you get out of this, all right? But, the, but uh, this is where we were. Now, 
after that, another church bought that building, and we didn't have a location for about two months. And luckily, thankfully, we had built the backbone of Axis Church, not on just the experience, but instead within our community life, we said we want to be out there, and so we don't want to just be the temple courts, we want to be house to house as well. And so we had six house locations already developed, and that's where we met for two months. We did a live internet broadcast between all locations. We had breakfast competitions, the whole deal. Our church actually grew during that time, which is incredible to think about. So that was the beginning of Axis Church, and that was how we started, was to say, how, instead of just attending, how do we mobilize people to be and to do what Jesus has called us to be and to do, okay? Now, that then led to, uh, just this summer, I was at a conference called the Spire Conference, and in that conference, a, uh, a leader named Will Mancini wrote a book called Future Church, and he actually was describing a lot of what I've just described to you. And so what I want to do today is just give you a window into our staff meetings over the last couple months, okay? And some of you, you'll love this because you're into structure and uh, planning. Some of the rest of you, you uh, might phase out, but don't worry. Like I said, it's short. Uh, but here is what he kind of framed up as the problem within the American church. And then he gives kind of an image that has really dominated our conversation, our staff meetings, okay? Here's what he says is the problem in the local church, and that is that we have done a really good job with making church attenders, but not a good job with fulfilling the commission of Jesus to go make disciples. In other words, show up on a Sunday, just be in the seat, and that actually becomes our metric as well, by the way, those of us who are in church leadership. We say, if we just have a certain number of uh, of people in the chairs, and we have a certain amount of offering, then those are our metrics, and therefore we're there for successful. And what he's saying is, that's not really the commission of Jesus. The commission of Jesus was to do what? Go into all the world and make disciples. He says our functional uh, great commission has become go into all the world and make church attenders, baptizing them in the name of small groups, and then begging them to get involved in service in the local church. And, and this has become kind of our theme. And, and so in a, instead of that, why don't we become what Jesus has called us to become? Why can't we be mobilized as a group of people that actually do the commission of Jesus to go make disciples? And he came up with this kind of a framework that I think will be helpful for you all, and it was for me and for our staff as well. And he drew this uh, house type of a, uh, of a building here. And he said there is the upper room and the lower room uh, in your church experience, okay? And the question is, if someone comes to church, I'll draw a little stick figure. I'll make them happy, okay? Um, there they are. So they're happy. They're coming to church. And the question is, how do, what, what attracts somebody to a local church, okay? And Will Mancini says there's four things that attract most people to most local churches, and the first one, he says, is the place, and that means some of you are attracted to a place that is stained glass. That's, you're into that. Some of you are into a warehouse. Some of you are into a place that's maybe more traditional. Some of you are into a place where the lights actually function and work. I don't know what's happening here. But anyway, this is the kind of thing that motivates people. In other words, 
I love that place. I'm attracted to that place. That's the place that moves me, okay? The next thing he said was a personality, and primarily the personality of the uh, primary leader or of the staff team. And, and because of that, people show up at church and say, I just love when so-and-so teaches. I just love when so-and-so preaches. <laughs> that personality really drives me. And so that's the second thing that really attracts somebody. He said the third thing that attracts people is what we'll call the program of the church. And this might be they have such good women's Bible study or they have such good worship experiences or they have such good just uh, children's programming or, man, they have a really good, remember that fall fest? We love the chili, you know, that day. So we're really motivated by that and we're motivated by the program of the church. He said the last thing is the people in the church. And uh, when he talks about this, this is kind of that social dynamic. I, I get along with the people well there. My best friends go to church there. Why did you show up to church there? Well, I just love the people. And he calls these things <coughs> the lower room. And for those of us in church leadership, this has become the stuff that really dominates us. In other words, let's make the place the best that it can be. Uh, let's make sure that the key leader is teaching really well. Let's make sure the programs are top notch. And let's make sure that the people that we're fostering good relationships. <clears throat> now, those things are not bad, are they? Those are all fine. But he said there has to be something different uh, in, that motivates us. Why? Because all of these things might change. In fact, do you know when people get mad in the local church? A lot of times, it's because they put so much stock in this. Try, try to have uh, the, the lead uh, pastor get up and say, you know what, guys, I'm going to take about six months off. We're going to bring a guest speaker in. Everybody's like, what? What is happening here? Or what if all of a sudden you go, you know what? We like this place, but we're going to find another place. And suddenly you'll see people go, oh, I can't believe you did that. Or maybe they had a pet program and you say, you know what? We're not doing the chili fall fest anymore. It's like, you know, people protest, picket signs and everything. I mean, you know, so it's like we, we put so much stock in this. And so he says there's got to be something different. And so the upper room is really what we're going to call the purpose or the thing that really drives us. What is that thing that we're looking for? <clears throat> the challenge is this is a little bit intangible. These are very tangible, okay? I'll give you this illustration. <clears throat> Let's say that um, you have an eight-year-old and you say to that eight-year-old, what do you want for Christmas? What do you think they're going to say? They're going to say things that are very lower room. They're going to say, I want a PlayStation. They're going to say, I want a virtual reality. They're going to say, I want this toy or I want this video game. And, but if you ask the parents of that same eight-year-old what they want, what do you think they're going to say? All upper room stuff. They're going to say, I really want my child to be self-confident. I really want them to love the Lord and love people I really want them to look people in the eye. These are the kind of things that uh, those of us who are parents of children, we're going to say we want this. So this down here is very tangible. This is very <coughs> uh, intangible as well. And, and, and yet when you say, what do you want for people in the church? Is it the place? Is it the personality? What do we want for people in the local church? To drive this further, let me give you an illustration of, of what we do uh, next door in CrossFit. And a lot of our mentality for CrossFit has helped frame what we do here in the local church. 
Because if you walk next door to CrossFit, the place is pretty cool, right? We try to play music that's not so, um, that's not bad, so that it's family friendly. Uh, we have a personality for sure. In fact, the coaches have a personality to push people, to challenge people, to encourage people, to yell at people, this kind of thing. Um, the program is a CrossFit program, and there are certain kind of metrics that we have or certain things we're looking for and certain ways to move people on their movements. And then finally, the people are just good people. And so we're saying, hey, we want to have social events, things like this. <coughs> but is any of that the goal of CrossFit? Think about it for a second. Is any of that the goal? What's our goal? That we would have physically healthy individuals who are able to do more work in their life. They're able to be more effective, uh, go further, work harder, etc. And so we want them to be physically healthy. So what do we want for people in the local church? Is it just the place? Or what do we want from them? And so this is where it becomes, in terms of church leadership, really challenging because it's a lot easier to just simply say, how many butts are in the seat on a Sunday morning? Anybody know what I'm saying? If I just say, the goal is just greater attendance, that's easy. Let's just put the greatest show on, the greatest show on turf, you know, and let's just make this thing crazy and good. And if we did that, we could have more attenders. And yet, the question is, is that what Jesus was about? In fact, Jesus himself was very good at deflecting the crowds and instead saying, how do I get people to be on mission with me? You remember the uh, feeding of the 5,000? I mean, those 5,000 people, <coughs> they had a good experience. They got, thank you, I appreciate that. I got some up here too. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm thank you. I will use your bottle of water and I will enjoy it right now. Mm, yummy. Um, anyway, so uh, that when you think about Jesus feeding the 5,000, these are the things that, that motivated people. They got free bread and fish. Wow, that's awesome. And yet it was right after that that Jesus started sending people away because Jesus wasn't just about growing the crowd. He was about moving people on mission, okay? Now, does this make sense to everybody? I know it seems a little church businessy. Just go with me here because this upper room, lower room, once you start getting your mind around it, it's really going to help frame who we are as a church, and it's going to help you understand what we're going for as a leadership team here, okay? Now, I want to give you another analogy, and uh, we're going to call this kind of an assimilation model, and this is what it uh, looks like for most of us in the local church leadership. Um, it looks a lot like this, and we say like this. We say, we want you to attend worship then we'll get you to connect in groups, and then hopefully a few of you will serve. And this has become our assimilation model in the local church. In other words, <coughs> if you just simply show up, this will be 100% of you. We want you to attend, and then hopefully we'll get about 50% of you in group life, and then we'll get about 20% of you to actually show up and serve in some capacity. And this has been the American church model for a long time. In other words, let's have the best program we can with the best place, the best personality, and the best people. If we can get you to show up, then maybe we might convince you to get involved in a group life, and we might convince some of you to actually serve in a ministry. And this is what has become the assimilation model. 
But I want to ask, is that uh, what Jesus was all about? Was Jesus just simply about, hey, show up and attend some conference, some sermon, connect with group, and then eventually maybe have a few of you serve in some ministry capacity? To me, I've always said that this should be 100% service. And why is that? That's because it's just like when you're at your household and you're in your family, if you live as a part of that family, how many people in my household have to have a job in my household? How many? 100%. If I say to one of my children, I say, uh, listen, you're part of this household, guess what? You get the awesome privilege of being able to do the dishes today. Amen. You could be a part of the team. And they're like, I don't want to be. I'm like, well, then you don't have to eat. All right? So this is just part of what it means to be part of the family. And I tell people that when it comes to the local church, we want this to be 100%, not 20%, because this is just the basics. The basics are, hey, come to worship, be involved in community life, and serve. That should be everybody should be involved in that. But is this what motivated Jesus? And so I think a different model looks uh, like this if we flip this a bit. And we look in the New Testament and we say, what did Jesus do? And what Jesus did was it started with him and then he mobilized people as he met them. Okay? And if you don't believe that, here is what it says. If you look at Luke chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Jesus went from town to town and proclaimed the good news. How many is that? One, Jesus. Jesus went from town to town and proclaimed the good news. He was outside the walls. If you go to Luke chapter, if you go to Luke chapter 9, verse 1, next, You know what it says? It says Jesus sent the 12, and they went from town to town, and they did exactly what Jesus did in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. If you go to the next uh, verse, (laughs) the next chapter, and that is uh, Luke chapter 10, Luke 10, verse 1, you know what it says? 72. So immediately Luke 1 or Luke 8, 1, Luke 9, 1, Luke 10, 1. He sent out one himself, then he sent out 12, then he sent out 72. And finally, if you look at Acts chapter 1, it says there were 120 people in the upper room. I really think that what Jesus' model was, was how do I take people who really want to be a part of the mission, how do I develop those individuals, and then how do I mobilize them on mission? Let me make this tangible for just a minute. I think when it comes to millennials in the local church, the church across the board in America is having a lot of trouble reaching the next generation. Why? Because I think their model is if you just show up and attend, then maybe get in a group, and then maybe serve, it does not motivate millennials. That does not capture the heart of the next generation. (laughs) But what if I said, to somebody who's a millennial, hey, listen, I want to pour into your life in such a way that you're kind of being led, motivated, modeled, set an example in. And rather than just showing up at church, although that's good, you know, obviously we want you to show up and connect and be involved in serving. What if instead of that, what if God had a mission for you in this life? 
What if God had something special for you in this life? What if, what if this week, instead of measuring how many people came to church, what if we measured how many Jesus conversations did you have out there with people in the world? How many, how many people did you love on this month? How, could, is God going to create in you some desire to do something out there where God's going to use you in your life? God's going God's to use you in some way. Maybe there's, some, maybe there's a group of people that he's calling you to help or support or encourage. Maybe there's somebody that he's asking you to, to lead or maybe there's, uh, uh, he wants you involved in some local kind of a mission, whether that be addiction or what have you, and you're bringing Jesus to that kind of a front. That idea is what is really dominating our thinking around here. In other words, we're not against the place, we're not against the people, we're not against the personality, but what we're saying is, how do we take all of that and point it to the one direction, which is the purpose? And what is that purpose? What is the upper room purpose? We want every single person who is a part of Access Church and beyond that to be spiritually healthy people who are both disciples themselves and they're motivated on the mission of being and making disciples. In other words, they're outside of the walls, mobilized in a way that says, we want to help people. Now, uh, the, the whole idea of elementary discipleship that we wrote a couple years ago was all about how do we frame this in a way that actually gives people the tools so that when they're outside of the walls, they're able to know what to talk about and how to lead other people to Christ, and how to talk about spiritual things with them. And so this is what motivates us. It's motivated us from the very beginning. That's why our values at Axis are that we would explore faith in God, experience relationships with God and others, vital life-changing relationships, and then, then we would express the love of God to the world. And I, instead of bringing you into like just further and further into the church community and saying, we just want you to serve in a ministry, et cetera, et cetera. What we're saying is, how do we help you explore God? How do we help you experience relationships with him and others? And then how do we mobilize you to express the love of God to the world? So this is the thing that motivates us here. And, and I thought it was important today. We're going to talk a little bit the next few weeks about kind of who God has called and what our purpose is together and how to mobilize people. But today was sort of that framework for that. And how, what are we kind of thinking about as a church in terms of how to mobilize you? And, and what I want to ask you to do, just here at the end as I close, is just think about your own life with Jesus. And in terms of, are you living in this kind of mobilized, missional kind of way? This says, God, how can I be used out there in the world? Not just to be assimilated into the church, but to be mobilized and then multiplied out into, um, out into uh, the, the, the mission of Jesus. So in light of that, I want to I pray for you. God, we thank you so much for just your calling on our lives. And God, I know this is a paradigm shift for a lot of people because the, the paradigm that we've lived under for a long time, especially in the United States, is we're going to build a building we're going to have a good program, and we're going to hopefully have more and more people just show up. And then maybe <coughs> some of those people will be connected, and then some of those people will serve. And instead, God, what we want to do is say, how do you help us to leverage all of those things 
in a way that will mobilize people on mission. And so there are special people in this room today, God, who really have very special talents and gifts. They have the ability to be used by you in their workplace, in their schools, in their homes, in their neighborhoods, in a way that would reach people for Christ, that they would be doing uh, gospel kind of uh, things. They would have spiritual conversations with people. They would be helping to lead people. They would be motivated in their life, not just to attend the local church, but instead, God, to be released so that we can be able to make disciples who make disciples. And that is the ultimate goal. And while that seems intangible and while it is challenging, that's, God, what we feel we're called to because that is what you said you wanted us to be about. So God, help us to do that. Help us as leaders to keep that as our main thing and that we would mobilize people on mission with Jesus. We thank you for that. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for Christ who saves us. In Jesus' name.